Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy folks. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. So glad you can be here with me today, if you are with me. God's grace and peace be unto you, brethren. So, we have coming up uh, a day we call Veterans Day, November 11th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And uh, there's some other things in our history uh, that this date is significant, November 11th, and we're going to get to uh, in this episode. But anyway, I just thought it'd be appropriate uh, to do something about Veterans Day. Now, as you know, we are in Florida right now, and I'm at the undisclosed location right now, uh, making do with my little bunker here, uh, trying to do these podcasts. It's very interesting if you only knew the situation, but by God's grace, we're continuing. So praise be to God. But anyway, brothers and sisters, you know that we moved to Florida. Uh, Nine of my children of the 11 are here, and we're working together to serve the Lord by establishing a new church plant called the American Reformation Church. And we had our launch service, our opening service, last Sunday, and it was well attended. Uh, we probably had a close to 160, 170 people. Uh, some were out of city and some were from even out of state. And they sacrificed just to come to bear witness, to say yes and amen, and add their agreement uh, to this work. So we were mighty, mightily blessed by the support that we had received. But uh, we're pressing on now. We We got it going and... And so we, uh, in fact, uh, this next Sunday uh, will be the first time I'll be beyond, behind the pulpit. So be praying for me, brothers and sisters. Um, this is <laughs> the next new kingdom adventure in the Lord. And so, yeah, like I've been saying, it's kind of sobering, kind of scary, but with great excitement, we're moving forward to serve God as a church. So, you know, the name. American Reformation Church. Well, my son Micah, he's a big idea guy. He, he's, he's our administrator, my chief of staff. He's like, Dad, you know the name, American Reformation Church. You know, you added the name America. He goes, we've lost, you know, half the nation right there. You just alienated you know, half the nation when it comes to our church. I mean, and he does have a point, right? Um, but there's a method to my madness. And and so when when the name came to me, American Reformation Church, you know, there was a vision and mission behind it, which is reform the church to restore our communities, our state, our nation, right? And so... 
you know, there's no doubt, uh, America, we're we're in a we're in a bad place. You know, uh, the empire is crumbling. You know, in in our midst, and you know, we're raising a generation that hates their own nation and want to see it fall apart. Wants to see its demise. And so, yeah, we're in a pickle. We're we're in a struggle. And God only knows in the next five to ten years uh, what our nation will be looking like. Um, but you know, the, the historic Reformation, right? Uh, you know, our opening service was October 29th, and I I did that on purpose because I wanted to connect it to the historic Reformation. And something that came out of the historic Reformation was, you know, semper. Reformanda, always reforming, right? Always reforming. And and we're in a great need of a reformation today. And so when you look at our history as Americans, and you see the foundation upon which we were built, right? And I know it's a mixed bag. Uh, you know, there was Masons. There was all kinds of influences from Europe, the Enlightenment. But there was also a lot of uh, Christians and a Christian mindset you know, that established our nation. And yeah, we, we, we got warts in our history. We, we, we got uh, some things that we should be ashamed of as a people and as a country. No doubt about that. But what's interesting when you consider all that and you consider the men that God raised up in this nation, you know, men like Frederick Douglass and, you know, other reformers, you know, when it came, let's say, to the national abomination of slavery, you know, Frederick Douglass, you know, he didn't say hate America. He didn't say leave America. He didn't say you owe me, give me reparations. Uh, his message was basically, hey, we got to return back to God and we got to look at our founding documents and we got to see where we've gone astray, where we have not lived up to our own national creed and covenant as a people. And let's uh, return. Let's return to the Lord. Uh, let's return uh, to our root system. Uh, as Americans, and let's correct the injustice, okay? And and the same could even be said of Martin Luther King Jr., right? Now, I know he's a mixed bag. I know, I know he, he had personal issues, but interesting, uh, at his great I Have a Dream speech when he talked about, you know, what's going on with Jim Crow and segregation, you know, he's quoting the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their Creator with sitting unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And he's saying, America, we're not living up to that. We're violating it. And we must repent and get back to our root system. We've got to correct the wrongs. we got to right the wrongs. And where there's injustice, we must establish justice and America for the most part has been able to do that well now we're lost in a quagmire of a uh, you know the federal beast and tyranny and moral anarchy and you know mental illness suicide you know we don't know the difference between a boy and a girl I mean there's so much chaos you know we're committing child sacrifice the shedding of innocent blood we're parading our sin like Sodom so we got major issues today major like, to the point where we don't know we're going to survive as a nation, as a people, right? And so, you know, what's the message? You know, what, what do we do? Well, we do what those 
who went before us did. We got to do the done, right? We got to return. We got to repent. We got to come back to the God of our fathers, right? We, we got to come back uh, to the root system that gave us this political liberty and freedom that we have so abused and, and uh, as a license to commit sin and crime and, and we're leaving husks for our children. Um, and so, brothers and sisters, you know, when I named the church the American Reformation Church, it was with that understanding, right? Uh, knowing our past, knowing our history, knowing our heritage, and what is needful today uh, to get back to that root system that nurtured this nation, that provided the liberty and freedom that we have abused and we are losing you know, under our watch, you know, somebody said the, uh, the quickest way uh, to destroy a people is to sever their roots. And that's what's being done through the public education, through indoctrination, right? We're rewriting history. We're revising history. Uh, why? Because we want people ignorant uh, to what we once have. Because if you don't know what you once have, you're not concerned about what you're losing. And we are losing. Uh, this generation is losing quickly and speedily, right? And so we got a great work ahead of us, brothers and sisters. And so the American Reformation Church, okay? And so, yeah, I'm going to be talking about our nation uh, as a church uh, through this podcast and through the Kingdom Leadership Institute, we're going to be talking about America, our past, our history. And on November 11th, uh, we have a, a day set apart that we call Veterans Day. And it's a day that we as Americans commemorate. Um, it first came about uh, in 1954. And uh, it's pretty much a patriotic holiday. And uh, Congress, you know, passed the bill, and President Eisenhower signed it, and he proclaimed November 11th as Veterans Day. Now, the word patriotic. Now, some people get freaked out about it. I know we're going through this big issue about Christian nationalism and the role of patriotism when it comes to Christians in a country. I understand the arguments. I understand the issues, but I just want to get some of the meaning of the word patriotic. It comes from the Greek word pater, which means father. And we know how explosive that word is uh, in today's America, you say the word father and you might as well be cussing, you know, being profane and, and vulgar, right? Because this father wound, this father hurt that's taking place in our nation, right? Most people don't have uh, a great uh, affection or opinion about fatherhood anymore. And, uh, but it is the basis for the word patris or native land. And so, Patriotic came to mean a love of country. And so the issue comes up as Christians, should we love our country? Should we support our country? I know for sure we should pray for our country. And I know for sure, according to the Great Commission, we're supposed to disciple this country. Now, we haven't done a good job of that. Just look at the evil 
that's savaging this generation. And you know we got a bad report card from heaven when it comes to the discipleship of this nation. But I don't think it's necessarily evil for Christians to love their country. I know for me, I got a bittersweet relationship with America because I've studied a lot of American history and I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. I've seen our warts, but I've also seen that, you know, America, we have been a force of good in the world. You know, more um, missionaries, uh, you know, more philo you know, philanthropic uh, endeavors have come from this nation. I mean, we've helped a lot of people around the world. And, and even when it comes to Veterans Day, you know, I remember there's a quote by Colin Powell when he talks about um, America's, you know, military intervention when they when we came to the aid of smaller nations that were being, you know, occupied or threatened by larger nations. Um, you know, we would we would win the war and even the people, the nations that we conquered, you know, pretty much all we asked of them is would. Could we have a plot of land uh, to bury our dead? Um, that's pretty rare because typically if you win the war, you, you know, you win the spoils. And, uh, and which means you're not really going to build up that nation and turn it back over to the people. But we have done that on occasion. And that's, like I said, that's, that's pretty rare, right? And so, you know, again, like, when it comes to uh, Veterans Day and it comes to our country, you know, should we show patriotism? And again, I, I don't think it's evil in and of itself. Uh, I would say, though, if our love of country surpasses the love of God, then that would become idolatry. And that is something we need to repent of. But um I'm also not of the mindset that we should love our country and defend her right or wrong. No, sir. No, sir. If, if you're going to be a true patriot, if you're going to love America as a Christian, then we need to attempt to love her and defend her once she does what is right. Okay? You, you don't... You don't support and give credence to a nation that's doing evil. And I know we live here, right? And our fortunes and our future is tied to the American government, you know, to the American culture and to the American people. But if we're going to truly love our country, we must love her in such a way that she does what is right. And, and why is that? Well, the Bible tells us righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So I don't care what nation you're from, you know, the, 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 if you're going to be a good citizens, and, and remember, we're, we're citizens in two lands, right? As Christians, we're citizens, you know, with the land of our birth, the land in which we live. And we're also citizens of heaven. Okay, well, right now, our feet is on the ground of America, if we live in America. All right? And so, you know, we should have a concern when it comes to our nation, when it comes to 
our people and when it comes to our future because it's only righteousness that exalts a nation and, and there's a powerful blessing brothers and sisters that comes when a nation pursues righteousness uh, the scripture tells us in Isaiah 32 17 it says the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness listen to this quietness and assurance forever now righteousness exalts a nation and the fruit of that righteousness brings about peace it brings about like quietness and satisfaction of heart it, it brings a blessed assurance okay and and when you look at our nation isn't that what we need now I mean you got mental illness on the arise and some of that quite frankly is just demonic possession and oppression suicide on the rise I mean we got family breakdown we got a corrupt government we have inflation and the culture of death seems to be drowning our nation in a sea of blood and perversion I mean so obviously we are not promoting righteousness we're not a righteous people we're not a righteous nation we are a wicked people doing wicked things and there is no peace for the wicked that's what the Bible says right and so is there not a bomb in Gilead uh, is there any place we can go when we know righteousness brings about this powerful uh, impact for the good of men's souls right and what we are doing is in complete opposition to that and the fruit of our nation tells the horrible story and so brothers and sisters obviously that we that there has to be some major humbling going on and uh, starting with us and our families and our churches and our communities we have to bow before the offended party of heaven we've got to confess we got to repent and we got to turn from our wicked ways and why is that so we might be healed I mean doesn't every human soul long for a little peace a little rest a little quietness a little assurance some contentment I mean this nation is so driven my goodness people can't even sleep anymore we are so wicked we are so tormented I mean psychologically mentally spiritually physically we're, we're having a major meltdown and that tells the story that says hey you're no longer a righteous people right and the things that you truly need and desire is far from you why because you're thinking and acting wickedly and this is the fruit that comes with it well today or I should say November 11th is Veterans Day and again this is a, what we consider a patriotic holiday and so we're gonna look a little bit at what it has meant to be a soldier uh, in the United States military now those of you may know or not know uh, I served in the US Army with the 101st Airborne 
from 1973 to 1975. Um, it was probably the worst time to don a uniform uh, in American history. Uh, if you remember, uh, January 1973, we became a nation of baby killers. And as the uh, soldiers were returning from Vietnam, guess what we called them? Baby killers. I wouldn't even wear my uniform out in public. Uh, the shame and disgrace heaped upon the American soldier was unbelievable. And all they did was raise their hand and said, I'll do it. If you want to blame the conflict over in Vietnam, blame it on the politicians. Okay, blame it on Washington, D.C. All these guys did was raise their hand and go. And what our nation did to them is an absolute crime. I'm just telling you, I was there. I saw what this nation did to its returning vets. No ticker tape parades for them, my friend. No welcome home, my friend. Spit on, baby killer. And that in itself is a heinous thing that this nation has committed. But that's another story for another time. But the point being, um, and I, and I want to give this quote. This is from General MacArthur. Uh, he's the famous World War II general uh, that was on that great ship where J Japan surrendered uh, to the United States of America. And apparently he was a West Point graduate himself. So he went to West Point and he had a famous speech called Duty, Honor, country. And this was on May 12th, 1962. It was here. Now this is amazing. It was it was that speech that highlighted the no greater love ethic of laying down one's life for a cause greater than one's self or one's life. So this is what he stated. The soldier, above all other men, is required to practice the greatest act of religious training. Could you imagine saying this at West Point? And what is that greatest act of religious training? Sacrifice. In battle and in the face of danger and death, he discloses those divine attributes which his maker gave when he created man in his own image. No physical courage and no brute instinct can take the place of the divine help which alone can sustain him. However horrible the incidents of war may be, the soldier who is called upon to offer and to give his life for his country is the noblest development of mankind. Now I know that's hard for most of you to hear. He's at West Point and it's not like he's you know shouting the glories of war because nobody especially the soldier um, craves the prospect of going to war. It is brutal. It is horrible. It is hellish and by all means exhaust every possible solution before you take up arms 
and go in harm's way. I'm just telling you, brothers and sisters, it is a horrible thing. And uh, it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. Okay? And if you can avoid it, avoid it at all costs. But in a fallen world filled with darkness, demons, tyrants, and oppressors, sometimes it's needed and necessary. And it's at this point, he, he, he is bringing in what our Lord talked about, right? Jesus stated, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one life for his friends. And so here's uh, MacArthur connecting that to the West Point cadets. You know, that, you know, being a soldier, you, 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 you have to have an understanding of, you know, the trans, transcendent, something that's above and beyond you, something worth living for, and if need be, even die for. And it's interesting, because when, even when you look at the Apostle Paul, when he would uh, make references, you know, uh, of what he would compare Christianity to, you know, he talks about the farmer, he talks about the, you know, the athlete, but he also talks about being a good soldier of Jesus Christ, enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Of course, the Apostle Paul also connects um, the weapons of warfare that a Roman soldier would be wearing, and he says, spiritually, we have to don that as Christians if we're going to be effective in our warfare. Amen? And so he makes this incredible connection, right, between the two. And so here's another man. His name is Charles Mike Michael Province. He was also with the U.S. Army. And he wrote a poem about being a soldier. And I don't know if he wrote this for Veterans Day, but it was definitely to co commemorate the sacrifices of our military fighting men. You know, we, we always hear this, that freedom is not free. And it's so true, brothers and sisters, it's so true. I remember Ronald Reagan saying, we are one generation from losing our freedom. We're one generation away. And we are so much closer to that now. And so freedom is not free. And I got to tell you, it's, it's cost America a lot of, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears uh, to maintain this nation and the freedoms it was built upon. Okay? And so is it fitting, is it proper that we honor those who have gone before us, who gave their last ounce of devotion? Um, well, that's between you and God to figure it out, okay? But when I, when I give you this uh, poem, I want to make a clarification. Um, well, let me give you the poem, and then I'll give you the clarification. He says this, It is the soldier, not the minister, who has given us freedom of religion. It is the soldier, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It is the soldier, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the soldier, not the campus organizer, who has given us freedom to protest. It is the soldier, not the lawyer, 
who has given us the right to a fair trial. It is the soldier, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. It is the soldier who salutes the flag, who serves beneath the flag, and whose coffin is draped by the flag, who allows the protester to burn the flag. Wow. And so you could only guess what the clarification might be. It is not the soldier that gave us any of those things. Now it is the soldier who has protected and defended those things. And let me tell you, they're very precious in the earth, right? I mean, let's face it, brothers and sisters. The normal of humanity is to live under oppression and tyranny. That's the norm. And guess what? America is becoming normal, just like all the other nations. And these precious freedoms that were bequeathed to us according to the Declaration of Independence by Almighty God, that God gave us these rights and these freedoms. And it's government's responsibility to protect and defend those freedoms. And whenever a government rises up as a threat to those freedoms and liberty, it is the right of we the people to change that government and secure a future and hope for our children and our grandchildren. Well, something else great happened on November 11th, and uh, it pertains to the founding of the United States of America. It was November 11th, in the year of our Lord, 1620, that the Mayflower anchored at what is now Provincetown Harbor, Cape Cod. Now, obviously, this is the story of the pilgrims. And I usually do a big thing on Thanksgiving. I go through the Thanksgiving story. Um, I go through uh, our history book, the Plymouth Plantation, and also do the testimony about Squanto. These are amazing stories of God's providence when it comes to the founding of our nation. Major things. But anyway, here's the pilgrims. They're, they're coming, you know, uh, from England to the New World. They actually had papers for Jamestown. And here comes the storm, right? The storm. And the storm's big in the Bible. <laughs> when you go through like Psalm 107, it talks about the storm and how God uses the storm that men might cry out to him and find him. Well, anyway, they endured a huge storm. They almost sunk. Um, but that storm blew them uh, off course. And so instead, instead of landing in Virginia, they landed in Massachusetts. Now, they had been on the seas for over two months. The sailors called them psalm-singing pukes because all they did was throw up, and when they weren't throwing up, they were singing psalms to the Lord, okay? And so they, and, and I've, I've seen models of the ship that they were in. You could not imagine how deplorable the conditions were. I mean, tight spaces, and you got to think through all the sanitary issues, throwing up, going to the bathroom, sleeping. Uh, I mean, it was horrific, and, uh, but they endured that. 
here's the interesting thing going through all that they come to a harbor and they decide before getting off the boat they have to come up with a document by which they should live now I'm gonna tell you something they I believe they spent two days in the harbor like if I was one of those guys and there was land and I went through you know that ocean with all this drama with all these terrible conditions I don't think anybody could hold me back I mean I would be off that boat kissing the land right uh, they didn't do that this is how serious it was to them and so you had 41 male passengers and these were the heads of family and there was some single men and there was three uh, servants who signed what we now know is the famous Mayflower Compact. Now I want you to keep in mind, I'm going to read it to you, but I want you to keep in mind this was not an ecclesiastical document. They didn't come here to start a new church or a new denomination. Okay, in fact, uh, when you read Plymouth Plantation, they'll tell you one of the reasons why they came here was to be stepping stones that their posterity could advance the kingdom of God upon these shores. And so they were very much mission-minded uh, when it came to the gospel of the kingdom. But this is one of our first political documents uh, in the United States of America. And we've got to understand, this is a part of our root system. And by the way, brothers and sisters, get a hold of the Plymouth Plantation book. Um, it's, it's so important. That's, that's our history book. Okay, and if we don't know where we came from, uh, we don't know where we're going or what to do once we arrive, okay? But that is a part of our root system, and we need to know it. Bradford, right, the governor, he's the one who wrote it. He, he chronicles what happened all the way from Scrooby, England, all the incredible adventures, the mishaps, the missteps, uh, you know, one step forward, two steps back, all the incredible challenges they went through, you know, to get to America and then all the challenges here while they were in America. Uh, but this was the document. And, and listen to what it says. This is how it starts off. In the name of God. Amen. Good way to start, right? We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign, Lord King James, by the grace of God, of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, Defender of the Faith, etc. Now listen, having undertaken for the glory of God, listen, and advancements of the Christian faith. Could you imagine? This is a political document. It's for the glory of God, and it's for the advancement of the Christian faith. Not the neglect of the Christian faith, not the abandonment of the Christian faith, right? like we see today, even amongst those in the church. Retreat, 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 right? Isn't that the mantra today? Retreat, we want to be raptured from our responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission. Retreat, retreat, retreat. I'm sorry, that wasn't in the vocabulary of those who founded this nation. It was for the advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country. A voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. But remember, that storm blew them off course. They didn't have papers for Massachusetts. That's why they're doing this document, right? And it says, We do by these presents solemnly 
and mutually listen in the presence of God and one another covenant, covenant, and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid and by virtue hereof to enact, constitute, and frame such laws, such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and offices from time to time as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony unto which we promise all due submission and obedience in witness whereof we have hereunto subscribed our names at Cape Cod the 11th of November in the year of the reign of our sovereign Lord King James of England, France, and Ireland the 18th and of Scotland 54th 1620. That's the compact. Now you got to remember, not all who settled in Plymouth were Christians. There were sailors. There were fortune seekers. Not all had a relationship with Almighty God. All right. Some were, you know, drunkards, <laughs> partiers, right? Uh, thrill seekers. But they understood one thing. We are going to need some kind of compact, some kind of constitution, some kind of contract if we're going to be able to dwell together in this land and build a community and a colony. And when you go through this, this compact, the Lord our God is mentioned several times unashamedly. Okay? And so, you know, he says that, uh, okay, you remember the divine mission, right? Undertaken for the glory of God, the advancement of the Christian faith. Okay, and, and like I said, William Bradford in, in Plymouth Plantation, this is the quote that I really wanted you to hear. Okay, and that's why I wanted you to get the book. Uh, so you have the Mayflower Compact, you have this political document, right, to cohese this colony together, to provide an infrastructure and how men are going to live together, how they're going to proceed to build the colony, to build the community, right? But this is what William Bradford also said about why they endured all the challenges and the hardships to go from Scrooby, England uh, to the New World. And believe me, they went through incredible hardships, unbelievable things that they had to overcome to get to the new world. But this is what he said. Last and not least, they, it's really speaking of them, cherished a great hope and inward zeal of laying good foundations. So important. We're building a church right now planning a church, and I am emphasizing so strongly the importance of the firm foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we build upon that foundation, or at least of making some way towards it for the propagation and advancement of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in these remote parts of the world, even though they should be but stepping stones 
to others in the performance of so great a work. Brothers and sisters, are, are, are our citizens being taught this? Do our children know about the Mayflower Compact? Did they know why the reasons the pilgrims came to the new world? Did they know it was for the glory of God? Do they know it's for the advancement of the Christian faith? Did they know or do they know it's for the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in the new world? Do they know it? Well, why don't they know it? Do you know it? Well, I suggest that you do come to know it and you start to teach the children these historical truths. They're, they're really important, brothers and sisters, because this does provide the root system that produced the most powerful, wealthiest nation on the planet. You know, when, when it came to the Constitutional Convention, and believe me, it was a, that was another war zone after they got done with the Revolutionary War, where they're trying to come together and, and, and move from the Articles of Confederation, you know, to a Constitution. I mean, it was a mess. They were fighting. They were boycotting. Patrick Henry was—he was ready to go to war. <laughs> I mean, it's like this. This is not good, right? And so here, here's Benjamin Franklin. Pretty much everybody says he's a deist, but I could not imagine a deist uh, 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 proclaiming what he proclaimed at the the Constitutional Convention. And he, he said, "I've lived long on the earth," and he said, "If if a sparrow can't." fall to the ground without the notice of the Almighty, you think we're going to raise an empire without his aid? And he's quoting the scripture, unless the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And he said, like, when we were in war, you know, we had sense enough, we were humble enough to appeal to the Almighty to help us against England. And he said, gentlemen, he answered our prayers. So I recommend that we pray before we discuss any issues when it comes to the future of this nation. And when they started to pray, guess what? You know, calmer heads began to prevail, right? And they began to work together. Now, the Constitution, listen, it, it's a document. It's a human document. It's not inspired by God, all right? It's not sacred, like some people claim it is. But it's a decent document among humanity in a fallen world. It's kept us together for, you know, over 250 years, not many nations can say that. The problem now, of course, is we're not being ruled by that document. We're not being ruled by law. We're being ruled by wicked men with political agendas. And it's not for the welfare of the citizens of the United States. So when, you know, when they're, uh, when the Constitution kind of you know, enables their agenda. Oh, yeah, we're constitutionalists. We're going to obey the Constitution. And then when it doesn't, they ignore it. They bypass it. They come up with all kinds of political maneuverings to violate it. And that's where we're at, brothers and sisters. So, yes, like the reformers of old, we got to say, hey, stop. We got to repent. We got to return to the Almighty. We got to return and understand our history. And what is history? It's his story. It's God's redemptive plan through the eons of time and through his covenant people. That's how he moves the future forward. And so why America? Why did God establish this nation? 
the brothers and sisters who came here told us it's for the glory of God. It's for the advancement of the Christian faith. It is to establish the kingdom of God upon these shores. That was the vision. That was the mission. Now, obviously, we have gone far, far from the Father's house. We have become a prodigal nation. And we're leaving our children the pigsty. And all they're eating is husks that when you open it up, there's no fruit. And they're literally starving. Their souls are starving while their flesh is being insatiated with evil. Brothers and sisters, my, my, Veterans Day, patriotic, pater, father, love of country. November 11th, 1620, pilgrims come to these shores, a political document. And by the way, from that document came the Connecticut Constitution. I'm from Connecticut. It's known as the Constitution State. And from the Connecticut Constitution came the United States Constitution. Covenant, creed, compact, contract. And where did that stem from? Biblical Christians. Biblical Christians who loved God who came for his glory to advance his cause in the earth. Brothers and sisters, that's our heritage. And I don't care what people say. They can try to rewrite it and revise it all they want. But that is the true root system of the United States of America. And it's a good one. It's a good one. And it's worth fighting for. And it's worth preserving for our children and for our grandchildren. Well, lastly, on a personal note, this day, November 11th, that we're talking about, it's the birthday of my first wife, Liz Thomas. Uh, she's deceased. She's passed on the glory. And God, in his great mercy, raised up another wonderful woman to take me out with ten kids, Kendra Thomas. Uh, and God has brought beauty from ashes. But I did want to acknowledge the birthday of my first wife. She, she blessed me in the world with ten children. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, she served the Lord faithfully with me on the front line of the battle for the souls of men, the lives of children, and the future of our nation. And so, praise be to God, um, November 11th. So we looked at Veterans Day, we looked at the Mayflower Compact, and I did want to acknowledge the heritage and the legacy of my first wife. Well, that's it, brothers and sisters. This is another episode with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. And as usual, you keep pressing on to that high calling prize in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints. Till next time.